episode five zero episode 50 f-i-f-t-y paul are we making a big deal out of this or is episode 50 just like any other episode it's the big fitty episode right uh are we making a big deal i don't what the big fitty you know fitty cent oh Oh, uh, god yeah let's not go there (laughs) yes it is 50 50 we should make a bit of a big deal about this because it is a i'd say it is a a significant milestone uh let's keep in mind that we are a couple of amateur guys who have no broadcasting experience have Never really. I object to that. We're not well, amateurs. Well, not now, but you were when you started the very first episode. And I should point I in once, that I I once heard that if you know more than the average person about something, you are a professional. Do you believe that? Uh, I think professional might be a bit of a stretch, but yes, I can understand knowing more than the average person about podcasts. I view this as something that we should be proud of because the average person really doesn't wouldn't think to do podcasts. And I give you full credit. The fact that you brought me into the loop um, as our listeners, well, those longstanding listeners would know that the very, I believe it was the first 18 episodes you had Simon as your, your co-host. And I believe I was brought in in and around the, the 20th episode and it's been a year now for me. Uh, seems uh, seems a bit surreal that we've been doing this for over a year now, which is amazing. And it's been an awesome experience for me. And I give myself a, a pat on the back for, for doing this and showing the commitment to you. And, and I've enjoyed working with you doing these podcasts. It's been a lot of fun. We've tackled some really interesting and thought-provoking topics and discussions. Uh, I've always enjoyed it when we have additional people that have taken part in our discussions. Uh, Mike and, and Ed have, have, We've have had been, a cast of characters. Yeah, a cast of characters. Sure. So anytime you get a lot of differing opinions, a lot of different voices on board, it's always been a lot of fun. And it's also been a really good way for us to stay in contact. As we all know, we've been... In varying levels of quarantine and lockdown over this last year, and we haven't necessarily had that luxury of meeting face to face or doing something as simple as meeting up for meeting up at a at a pub for having a beer. Um, there's been a lot of limitations on that. So having these usually weekly discussions, and obviously the discussions that occurred throughout the week, talking about our topics and ideas and feedback. It's been great. It's been a really good method to stay in contact and, and to be um, sociable because unfortunately that's sort of has been impacted with, with COVID uh, despite best efforts. Um, I'm sure many people are in the same boat where you know they wish that they were in a position to be able to carry on regular conversations. So yeah, 50, it's a big milestone. What are your thoughts on this? You're, you've been since day one. You've been a character in every single episode. Uh, what do What do you think about all this? Yeah, I'm like the Tom Cheek of. We talked about this. Yeah, and those who don't know who Tom Cheek is, longtime Toronto Blue Jay broadcaster. I think we've talked about him before. Um, has what four thousand three hundred and something consecutive games that he broadcast for the blue jays mm-hmm. so unfortunately not with us anymore but uh great broadcaster and so yeah i'm the i'm the i'm the tom cheek except <laughs> guess what it's five zero fifty not four thousand and something so maybe maybe we'll see anyway um yeah well first of all i think we do need to give some recognition f- to simon simon and i did start this podcast together and the the podcast started it was born out of just weekly calls i would have with him when i was in japan and we just got to talking and said hey why don't we record this and make this into something and yeah we did 18 episodes and then 19 the 19th episode i did i did with ed who's been on the show a couple times uh and then you came along in episode 20 um 
you just did I did a little bit of research going back to look at previous episodes. So this is actually your 21st episode that you've done. And the first episode that was released with your name on it was in was April 23rd. So you have a one-year anniversary to celebrate here, Paul. Okay, exactly one year. That's pretty cool. It doesn't seem like it's been a year. I know we, we took a little bit of a hiatus during the summertime, but we've been pretty steady throughout. Yeah. So, and I want to say that um, you've been reliable. You've been involved in the topic ideas. You haven't just been a passenger on the bus. You've actually contributed to the content and uh, as well as, of course, being on the, the episodes. And I think that you've seen a lot of personal growth throughout the last 12 months in, you know, just getting your feet and, and figuring your way out. I think you've always had a good voice. I think both of us, in fact, have developed a long way over the past, for me, it's been almost two years I've been at this, and you now in a year. I think we've made a lot of strides. So, um, congratulations on a year on the podcast and 20 episodes under your belt and looking forward to when it's your 50th episode. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate the uh, the kind words. Yeah, keep in mind that uh, both, well, I don't know if we have talked about this before, but you and I were former members of Toastmasters. And for those who may or may not be familiar with Toastmasters, it's... Um, it's like a network of individuals that meet together to improve public speaking abilities. And I, I hope that our Toastmasters experiences have aided us in our podcasting. And it's one of those things where it, it takes practice. You, you can't expect to be a, a great speaker overnight. And to your point, I feel that hopefully I have progressed quite well um, when I listen to myself from the very first episode to where I am today, I think I have grown a lot. Uh, and I think we've grown a lot, um, well, for me personally, it, certainly from a confidence standpoint, um, being able to think outside the box a little bit, being a little bit more creative with some of our, our topics and ideas. So it has been a fantastic experience. And uh, I'm really appreciative and glad that you brought me along for the ride. So I, I don't know if we're going to be doing, uh, what was it, 4,386 episodes or whatever it is. If that's our goal, we uh, we got our work cut out for us. We could be here till we're in our 80s. <laughs> All right. There's only one point of feedback that uh, I need to share with you regarding something you have to change or do going forward. Okay. Okay. Do I? So. Go ahead. <laughs> When one of my biggest pet peeves is when you say this podcast or next podcast or in a previous podcast we did, you know, X, it's not a podcast, it's an episode. Okay, all right, then I will, I will try to adhere to that, okay. <laughs> a podcast is We Talked About This or The Joe Rogan Experience or The Tim Ferriss Show. This is an episode within a podcast. <laughs> because you said that, I'm going to start saying podcast just to piss you off. <laughs> okay, episode, episode. All right. I will keep that in mind. I don't want to get it, get you all riled up. <laughs> all right. Um, we have a neighbor update. I was going to say, your neighbor updates are so entertaining. I, uh, when you said you had a to neighbor... Up, or to you? To, well, to me, and I'm sure the listeners, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I can't oh, wait. that's I, the other thing. You're not allowed to say, this is going to be a really great episode, or this is a really fascinating topic. The listeners have to decide that. Okay, fair enough. All right, those are my two notes for you. Okay, all right. I'll start thinking of stuff on you as well. <laughs> oh, there won't be anything. <laughs> All right, neighbor update. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where I should begin. Well, let's just say that um, a couple of weeks ago, I asked my wife if she had received any more f feedback or messages from the neighbor, and 
She said, I have, but I haven't shared them with you. <laughs> oh, no. I can see where this is going. And I was a little bit disappointed in that. Be- not so much that my wife shouldn't be keeping secrets from me, but that this is material for the podcast. How How can you possibly deny me these opportunities to share what's going on with the neighbor if I don't know what's going on with the neighbor. So what happened is um, my wife received a text about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, which was the entire examination schedule for her month of starting I've got it right here so she she says this was sent uh, I don't have the date but it was before the first date on this schedule so it was like late late March she says hello here are some important dates chemistry 423 test on March 27th from 9 to 12 chemistry 422 midterm 31st of March 9 a.m. until the 1st of April um, Wednesday to Thursday. Oh, so this this would have been for three straight days. Um, oh, she has important presentations to do. Law 703 on March 24th from 2.30 to 4.30. Um, March 29th, chemistry presentation from 2.30 to 4.30. A, um, April 6th, chemistry presentation. Now get this, so... From 2.30 to 3.30, to she writes, This prof is very intense as a person. Okay. Okay, yeah. And a number of other dates. Final examination dates, April 19th, 22nd, 27th. And she makes a particular point of mentioning that on April 27th, which is tomorrow... Uh, We're recording this on the 26th of April. So tomorrow, Law 703 from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. She notes here, I am proctored during this one and there cannot be any noise else the system will flag me. Proctor proctor track is intense. And I guess proctor track is the name of this system. Um, So there you have it. Oh, and it finishes with thank you once again. (laughs) Okay, so most of these dates that you've told me here, I'm looking at the calendar as you were providing these dates. Most of them are during the week, which is maybe better than weekends. However, we should point out the fact that it is April and there is no longer any outdoor skating rink in your backyard. And likely... It's been gone for six weeks now. Yeah, since since March. So... This begs the question is, what the heck is she expecting to happen? Like having a big party? Like your kids are not young children to the point where they're making a racket outside. Like I'm I'm baffled as to why all this is necessary if there's no rink in the backyard. So is this implying that your kids are not allowed to play outside in the backyard? Well, the listener might be hearing this and thinking, well, maybe he's making a lot of noise and that that's why she's constantly having to remind us of, of these things. But we're rarely in the backyard. And as those that live in Toronto know, we've been in this n- new lockdown now for another t- since the last two weeks where you're not even allowed to visit people in their backyards if, if you're not from the same household. So we've had literally nothing going on in the backyard for the past m- month. Um now, my wife, just to share with you, my wife responded to this message because I, I was curious to hear. I said, please tell me you didn't just say, okay, great. And uh, she responded just saying, these are a lot of dates. Um, haven't checked all the dates against the calendar, but if it's during the week, it's no issue. We'll be working and the kids will be at school. Um, during weekend mornings, we're usually inside, but as the weather gets nicer, we might want to be outside on a weekend afternoon. If you can let me know when you've got a test coming on a weekend, I'll be quiet. I will try to be quiet if we're out. Um, I, I mean, what did she expect? That we were going to put all these dates into our calendar and, and look at our schedule every day? And in addition to our own things that we're doing here in the house, we would then, of course, acknowledge that, oh, yep, yeah, and she has an exam from 
9 till 3 today. Don't forget, everybody stay inside. Yeah, I'm not sure what this neighbor expects of you. I'm getting the impression that she would frown upon you going outside in your backyard, and you should have the right to spend time in your backyard. So, okay, the kids are allowed to make noise by... It seems unusual or, or an unrealistic request that you have to walk on eggshells in your backyard. So it, right. what would happen if you had to cut the grass or something like that? Or if you had to do some yard work? Is she expecting yeah. you that, no, um, you cannot cut your grass during these times? That is ridiculous. Uh, that it, That's correct, Paul. She is expecting that. No, then this is ridiculous. So, you know, I think the first time, the very first request, okay, I, I could understand that. The second one... I thought was over the top. This one is out to lunch as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It, it's one thing to say, okay, I have a, an important date on April 27th. Okay. One date. Okay. Fine. But she's giving you a list of six or seven dates here. And this is getting stupid. Like, I, you know, it's funny. I, I overheard uh, the, the, her father in the backyard. He was out there with a leaf blower. This was a, a week ago. And, um, I mean, the guy's property is pretty small. There's absolutely no need for a leaf blower, in my opinion. But, anyways, he was out there, and I heard him turn it off, and then I heard him talking, and I said, Yeah, uh, I'm just going to be uh, another half hour, maybe? <laughs> and then I never heard the leaf blower after that. So, I guess wow. that didn't satisfy her. Yeah. But, uh, you know everyone's working from home people have got distractions going on are you, is she saying that if like a dog barks in the background or a um a kid yelps from outside or a lawnmower is buzzing in the background she's going to fail her exam yeah that's ridiculous no this is so this tomorrow's is the big day yeah. finals um i don't know i'm debating maybe for the finals uh maybe this is the one where there is a distraction <laughs> Yeah, are, are, is part of you, are you tempted to uh, make a, a little bit of a disruption there, play some music or, uh, you know, fire up the lawnmower look, knowing, just, to, just to piss her off? Look, those that know me from my more mischievous high school days or university days or young adulthood, mid-20s, 30s days, um, would probably expect me to be a bit of a jerk here but um i don't know i am tempted to go out and get one of those air horns <laughs> and you know at like what is it what's the time of this exam here uh from nine till three come on you're in an exam for and that's a long period hours. of time this isn't just like yeah can you be quiet for half an hour this is six hours we're talking about there cannot be any noise else the system will flag me. Proctor track is intense. Uh, yeah. So I think at what I'm going to do at 2.59 is I'm going to sound this uh, air horn. <laughs> and uh, that'll signify that the exam is over. So have you thought about approaching your neighbor and saying, just being honest here and just telling her that I, I think this has gone a bit, this has gone too far? Especially with the summertime coming, because I don't know. Well, I don't know if she's going to be taking summer courses, but well, that's, you, you that's don't want to come come the nice weather and you start taking some vacation time, and the kids are off school. You don't want to have to be again walking on eggshells, saying, "Oh, you can't go out in the backyard because so and so is having their exam." This is getting this yeah. is getting stupid. I, I think you need to have that conversation and just say that <sighs> I can't comply with this anymore this is this is unrealistic expectations that you're placing on us i think you need to have that conversation i do pull off the band-aid and just do it it's it's hard to say because what what's really happened here you know i think if we had made noise and she came over and said you know yesterday i asked you kindly to be night to be quiet and, you know, you went ahead and had your kids outside. I think that would be a little different. I think then, then I would be more confrontational with this or, you know, I would deal with it a little more head on. For now, I think I'm just going to operate business as usual. I'm not going to do anything differently tomorrow than I would normally do. Mm -hmm. And if I'm outside um, and I happen to make noise like that I forgot about it because she's in her exam from 9 till 3, 
then so be it. And then if she comes and says something, that's when I'll say something. Well, you know best. Yeah. As a reminder to our listeners, we're always interested in hearing your feedback. Please send us an email at wetalkedaboutthis99 at gmail.com or visit our website at www.wetalkedaboutthis.net. All our previous episodes are up there. There's some pictures of us. In fact, I think we still need a profile from you, Paul. So people want to know a little bit more about who you are. And um, we also have a Twitter channel, We Talked Podcast, if you want to follow us on Twitter. We don't have a lot of followers because uh, we just don't. So please follow us on Twitter. Make us look like we're relevant. And um, did I forget any other social media contact info, Paul? I don't think so. Um, but just some good old fashioned word of mouth and, uh, we'd very much appreciate it. Talk about us, like us. Uh, oh, we have a Facebook page, right? We talked about this as a Facebook page. It's a private page, but if you send me a request, I'll certainly allow you to become a member. Uh, feedback. We love feedback. We love getting letters. We had Andrew write us the last time. And we, um, used, we've used a couple of his ideas, and we plan to use a couple more. So if you want to hear one of your ideas on the show, send us an email. Reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to, to, uh, do, to do that. Yeah, that's a great point in that we encourage people to provide us with ideas, topics. Um, we want to make sure this is re- relevant and, and interesting to people. So if there's a, oh, it's relevant. Oh, yeah. But if there's a topic out there that people really want to listen to, uh, that they would like us to uh, like to hear our opinion on a certain topic. Uh, we'd love to hear that. We'd love to get that opportunity. Absolutely. And the other thing, too, if you want to be a guest on the show, we may do that, too. We've had a few listeners come on the show, and a couple have become regular, regular co-hosts or regular guests. So if you're good enough, we'll have you on. <laughs> All right, let's move on to one of your topics. Kids' clothing, what impressions does it leave? Paul, why did you want to talk about this? Well, this was a topic that is kind of tongue-in-cheek, and I'm sure that people will think I'm maybe overreacting a little bit on this, but just one of those things. I got to thinking that there's certain articles of clothing that, I guess for me, it kind of gives an impression of a kid being... Well, I don't want to use the word asshole because that's a that's a strong word, and we we've talked about our. We're not our, allowed to call kids. Assholes. I know we we've talked about this before. Remember many episodes ago, uh, we had that topic: are, are kids born assholes? So I, I don't want to sort of dwell on on that aspect of it. But the, certain articles of clothing sort of give the impression that kids could be, you know, maybe jerks or bullies or something like that, or, or just gives you a, a maybe a negative impression just because of, of the nature of, of what it is. And I've compiled a, a list here of some things that, for me personally, I would not want my son to wear. Well, not wouldn't say that, but I would never buy these items of clothing for him. Obviously, he's okay. at an age now where he has the right to to say what he wants to wear and, and so forth. But for me personally, um, a couple of items that I jotted down, um, <laughs> bike helmets with the spikes on them. I don't know. I just, that just bugs me. You mean, okay. You mean the, those, uh, they're like soft spikes. Like yeah. They're, yeah. I, I, I don't like the looks of them. I don't know. It just, they just grind, your they gears just grind my me. gears. Something about the bike helmets with, with the, the soft spikes on them. Um, hmm. Any kind of right. clothing that has like skulls or skeletons on them. Uh, again, it's just maybe it's a it's an image thing, and maybe I'm overthinking this too much. But I just I I, 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 I would I, okay. Then I won't apologize. Honest. I just I just don't like them. There you go. Yeah, you don't like skulls, skulls, or skeletons. skeletons, anything that makes kids look like a, a gangsters. Um, like, do they scare you? No, but it just it it feeds into a stereotype of just. Yeah, you know the the lazy sloppy teenager with big baggy clothes and you know big baggy hoodies and you know what age group are you talking about when you when you say kids who wear these clothes well it can mean a, a wide variety of ages i guess the bike 
helmets it kind of applies more for for younger kids but when you're dealing yeah. with um with with young and i guess adolescents uh young teenagers you know maybe from the ages of 10 and up as mentioned you know skulls skeletons big baggy um hoodies um you know you more, sound like an old man. i know i know but it's just <laughs> hey, you said don't apologize, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, so long trench coats, and, and I finish off with Ed Hardy clothing. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So I, when you, f- okay, when you mentioned Ed Hardy or this topic before, you told me about Ed Hardy. I had to look it up because I don't, I don't know anything about Ed Hardy. So he's a tattoo artist. Don Ed Hardy, an American tattoo artist born in Des Moines, Iowa. Known for his tattoos, strong influence in the development of modern tattoo styles. Upon and his, uh, um, He has an apparel and accessories brand. So let me just look at some of these Ed Hardy clothes that you're talking about here. Ed Hardy shirts. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're a little aggressive. Big pictures of skulls. <laughs> yeah. I just saw when I mentioned the word skulls, you had a little shiver. It looked like you had a shiver go down your <laughs> spine there. Um, and there's some with big, like, tiger heads. And um, here's one that looks like um, looks like an eagle. Oh, it's an eagle it's, uh, with big, scary wings mm. and a really intimidating-looking guy wearing it. And it yeah. says, Death Before Dishonor. <laughs> So these these types of clothes you don't like seeing them on it just kids. it what about adults even adults I don't know it, for me it just kind of feeds into like the the punk kind of image um, mm. you know with the and maybe again I'm overthinking this and I, I don't want to sound too old beyond my years but you know when teenagers sort of feed into You're that right. stereotype and when the, a lot, I don't know, I place a lot of value on, on how one presents themselves. And I know things are different with COVID. People like to wear PJs all the time and, hey, you do whatever you want in the comfort of your own home. But, you know, and then this could be a topic for, for another day, but people that wear PJs out and about, uh, you know, the, well, the, the, the people of Walmart, that. that type of thing. Um, I don't know. When you mentioned, um, the the clothing i did think about this a little bit and i have to admit the plaid cl- plaid pajama look yeah i hate that as well like not hey in the comfort of your own home hey whatever but when don't just i don't want to see it see you at a walmart wearing your pjs come on like put some put some proper pants on <laughs> um the plaid pajamas do irritate me a little bit um i also we do sound very judgy here, by the way, but I also do find that kids who wear uh, these types of clothes, like the more the pajamas and the hoodies, and they just look generally f- unkempt, just project an image of laziness. Yeah. And, um, I think I'm going to give a pass for the coronavirus to a certain degree that this is, this past year has been, past year and a half almost now, has been a little different. Um, but I'm hoping that once this passes, we can get back to dressing a little bit more nicely, not quite getting away with the whole hoodie and pajama bottoms thing every day. Okay, well, we touched on a little bit of coronavirus stuff in that last topic, so why don't we just quickly talk about vaccines, our vaccine situation. So I I got my vaccine last week which uh, I'm very happy about. It was the AstraZeneca vaccine. And on uh, Wednesday of last week, I got my shot late afternoon. Super easy, by the way, to book it for me. For me, it was. Um, Phoned the local pharmacy down the street, booked it almost too easily, to be honest. It came uh, almost too easily because I was hearing a lot of people were having issues getting appointments and that they were getting canceled. But last Wednesday, I got the shot uh, about 24 hours after, I started to feel really run down and fatigued, and I got a headache, and I just felt crappy, and, and I had night uh, night dreams, fever dreams. You ever had those, fever dreams? Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I couldn't sleep, I was tossing and turning, all I could think about was the fact I was 
trying to sleep, and, <laughs> you know, that when you feel that way, you're kind of screwed. You have to hmm. take your mind off it. But anyway, I made it um, back to normal now, but I'm really happy I got dose one of the vaccine. So I'm not fully inoculated until the second dose, which is in August. It'll be sometime in August, but dose one done. Mm-hmm. Now, what about you? What's your situation with your vaccine? Well, um, I have an appointment scheduled for Wednesday morning to get my vaccine. Um, at uh, And where are you going? At the, the local pharmacy near my house. Um, I was able to book online. Uh, actually, my wife was able to, to book the appointment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite easily as well. I think it all comes down to just the timing. Um, because the day in which we booked was the very first day they announced that the vaccines um, were going to be eligible for people 40 and above. Um, so we jumped on that bandwagon right away, uh, made an appointment just to get, just to get something. Um, but having said that, I, I think because there's been so much demand for it and because obviously word is, is spreading and, and people are very eager to get the vaccines, um, I know that it is becoming increasingly hard to get appointments. My brother had mentioned to me that he was trying to get an appointment for himself and, and he wasn't able to find anything online. Um, so hopefully his opportunity comes soon. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad I do have uh, an appointment scheduled. Um, I too will be getting the AstraZeneca vaccine. I know there's been a some differing opinions on that, but... I certainly do yeah, feel it's had a bit of a bit of a rough ride. Europe banned it in a few countries, but uh, yeah, I think the benefits outweigh any negatives that may come about. Um, the The stats certainly prove that it is by far uh, far more beneficial to to get that vaccine rather than you know risk it, um, risk the the chances of getting very severely ill due to COVID. Um, I think that well, it goes without saying that the more people get vaccinated, I think the, the sooner we can put this behind us. And it is nice to see that certainly here in Canada, um, there seems to be overwhelming enthusiastic support for getting the vaccines. Um, you're not having to, yeah. to push people to, to do it. Um, and it's nice to see that the vaccine rollout, it, it took a long time Um U.S., well, Canada compared to the U.S. has had a, a bit of a, a rocky rollout with the vaccines. Uh, we got off to a slow start, but it seems like the last last month or so that things have really picked up. Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic that maybe we'll have a, a normal summer or normal-ish summer after all. I sure hope yeah. so. I sure hope so. But uh, yeah, for those of you who have not got their vaccines, we uh, certainly encourage you to go out and get one. And hopefully the process allows you to get one soon. Childhood dreams. Okay. So this one came to me as I was thinking about what did I want to be when I grew up? What did I want to be when I grow up? Are you? Have you grown up? (laughs) No. And well, that'll lead me to another topic, but... um, what did I want to be when I grew up? It feels weird saying that. Doesn't make does that make sense? When it, what did I want to be when I grew up? <laughs> does that sound grammatically wrong to you? A little bit, yeah. Because you're used to saying, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" But now that you have grown up, well, at least that's debatable. It, it's yeah, I'm it's to in move a, it into the past yeah. tense, but maybe it's fine. And I'm I'm an English major, so maybe I'm being overly analytical about it, but. I, I wanted to share what I wanted to be when I grew up, <laughs> which uh, was the one, um, well, one thing I wanted to, I, I have a few things, but I'm going to share one thing. And is, and that was that I had always dreamed of being the next Peter Jennings. And for listeners who are too young to know, Peter Jennings was one of the three big anchormen on the, he was ABC News, I believe. And uh, him, Dan Rather, and Tom Brokaw were the three big news anchors of the day from like the early 80s into the 90s. And I always loved Peter Jennings because he was um, Canadian and he just had a great voice. I always respected his voice. So the area that I, I always wanted to be a broadcaster, 
Uh, and I also wanted to, I wanted to be a news broadcaster and I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. And so some of the people we used to listen to who, who were the voices for the Blue Jays, like Tom Cheek, Jerry Howarth, uh, even Don Chevrier, who used to do Blue Jay TV games years ago. I, yeah. I liked him. I loved his voice. I thought he had a great voice. Um, more recently, Dan Shulman, a big big fan of Dan Shulman. love his voice. And um, so that was my dream. And I guess one thing I wanted to say was that had I achieved that, you know, going back to our topic from the other day where we were saying, what if you know, about overzealous parents, like Tiger Woods' dad wanted him to be a, a a golfer. And obviously he recognized some amount of talent in Tiger and uh, pushed it and pushed it hard. Now, my parents were never a fan of this idea for me to become, go into journalism or broadcasting. They, they totally thought it was a bad idea because they said it's too hard to succeed in it. They, they told me that, uh, you know, only one in a million get to be uh, Peter Jennings or one in 200 million or whatever. And they steered me heavily toward pursuing that as a career. And I wonder sometimes, what if I had the Tiger Woods of broadcasting as a dad? Like, what would have happened? What if they had said, you're going to be a broadcaster and put all their effort and focus into me being the next great one of broadcasting. Would I be a broadcaster today? Yeah, that's a great point because we often look at it only from a sports standpoint. But what about other careers? and Sports, music. Sure. Yeah, or, or kids that are expected to inherit the family business, for example. Um, yeah. There's a lot of... A lot of movies have been made about that, um, where I guess people push back against their uh, their predetermined destiny if that's something that they they necess- didn't necessarily want to do. Um, but in your case, though, even though your parents did not encourage you to go into broadcasting, I think if you had a true passion for it, I think you probably would have found a way to eventually go down that road anyway. Um, if that was something that really um, piqued your interest and, and drew you into that world, do you think that you would have found yeah. a way to do it, even if your parents weren't overly supportive of that idea? See, this is one of the challenges with our education system, is that you kind of have to make a decision about your career at a very young age. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, I, I agreed. What you're going to pursue in university for instance, I mean, you're picking your classes or your courses in your first year. What are you, 18 or 19? And it feels like when you're doing that, you're already kind of making a, a commitment to what it is you're going to do. I mean, I did a liberal arts program. I did English as my liberal arts program. Um, but I really wanted to go to broadcasting school, and my parents were not at all in favor of it. Ryerson University has a very big program. And I feel like I do look back on it and I have some feelings of regret. However, um, so in answer to your question, no, I don't think so. I, I didn't push hard enough. I, I think I was pretty strongly committed to wanting to do that. But, you know, they also held the the purse strings when it came to my education. So... If I had said I wanted to go to Ryerson for journalism, I don't think they would have supported it. I don't think. But it's a good point. Would I have fought harder if I really, really believed in it? Maybe. You know, I'm using this now, this podcast that we do, that we're doing at this very moment is my chance to live a bit of that dream. So um, if I had gone into broadcasting, then I wouldn't have had the career I had in, in what I do now. I wouldn't have gone to Japan, perhaps. I wouldn't. I met my wife through work, so I wouldn't have been married, probably to the, to my wife. I wouldn't have the kids I have if I had pursued this. Who knows? Mm-hmm. It's like anything. You don't really know where you would have ended up. Maybe I would have been killed in Beirut, mm-hmm. or or doing some sort of war correspondence in Bosnia. 
Um, we don't know, right? Um, but it is something that always leaves me wondering. Exactly. It's one of those, you're right, you always wonder what, what could have been. And there's so many different aspects of journalism. I'm sure a lot a lot of journalism may not be a very glamorous job. Um, you know, not everyone is going to be a, a Peter Jennings. And the, the job that you would have obtained in journalism, who knows, you may not have been happy in that job. Um, Good point. But your, point. your other point to the fact that, yes, our, our education system, I agree, is, is very flawed because at the age of 18, you're right, you're expected to have an idea as to what you want to do with your life. And that's, that's unfair. And most people spend their entire adult lives not really knowing exactly what they want to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. People's interest changes over time. Um, as you mature, as you gain more knowledge. Um, for me personally, the the job that I always thought that I was going to do was actually to be a lawyer. Um, as a teenager, I was always fascinated by, uh, by law. Any shows that had anything to do with lawyers or courtroom dramas. Um, I love watching mm. Law and & Order. I love watching Matlock. <laughs> Um, Matlock, yeah. I was, I, how did I know you were going to say <laughs> yeah, Matlock? Yeah, yeah, and I'm dating myself on that one. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed watching those shows, and it kind of fueled my interest in in law. Uh, in high school, I, I did a co-op at a law office, and I, I seemed to enjoy it. So when I when I went to university, the courses that I took um, initially were with the intent that I was going to become a lawyer. Um, but I think throughout, throughout my time in, in university, my interest changed. Um, uh, I think I, but your parents supported this though, right? They did, but they weren't overly, um, they didn't push me into it. They, I think they took the, the approach where you do what you want to do. Uh, but mm-hmm. there was nothing where it's like, oh, you have to be a lawyer. Or we expect you to be a lawyer or anything like that. There, there's nothing of, of that nature. Um, my parents, I think they just simply wanted me to get an education and get a good job when I left school. As simple as that. Um, what if it had been a career that was maybe, I mean, a lot of kids' parents want them to be doctors, lawyers. You hear lawyers is commonly a, a job that a lot of parents hope their kids will do. I think less so these days than maybe 25 years ago, but because lawyers tend to have a bad reputation in a lot of ways and there's a lot of lawyers out there mm-hmm. but what if it had been something a little bit more you know like a journalist a writer um would you think they would have still been yeah you no know, get get the education that's cool whatever you want to do or do you think because you were saying you want to be a lawyer it gave you a little bit of a like they're not going to push back on that necessarily yeah. yeah i think getting the education was important um I think for them, as long as you're in a position to succeed, um, as long as you're in a position to, to have a good job. Uh, so, for example, my brother, um, he didn't go to university, but he went straight into the police force. And for him, he was, uh, I guess, lucky at, at a young age, I think before the age of 20, that he was able to secure um, a full-time, well-paying job, uh, something that sort of set him up for his career. And I think that's kind of what my parents wanted in me, was to have an opportunity to um, to have a, a good career and a, and, a, and a good stable living. Um, if I had said I want to be an actor or something like that, I don't know. I think their attitude may have been a little bit different because uh, there are certain professions that are known to... Um, it take a while before you get established uh, the the image of the the of the starving actor. I think maybe they may not have been as supportive on something like that. Um, I think my parents saw that too. Perhaps when I when I said you know I wanted to be a an anchor man, Peter Jennings, whatever. They may have seen a little bit of that too. That this is a long road. You know, I, I as you were talking there, I or before we went into your subject. What was the job exactly that I was hoping to get? Was I looking to make a career in journalism that would have involved starting at a probably a small newspaper establishment or working running coffees in a in a TV studio? Um, 
and then eventually making my way up the ranks and becoming, uh, you know, a correspondent and then eventually getting the big job in New York City. Like, what was the job I thought I was actually going to go to school for? Like, what was the dream? I think the dream was the the handsomely dressed, handsome-looking Tom uh, Peter Jennings. Looks cool. Had the suit and tie. Great voice. Very really glamorous looking was that what i wanted to be like when you want to be an actor a lot of people want to be the next brad pitt or the next meryl streep they're not thinking i'm going to be the guy he's not going to they're not going to be diner three in the restaurant scene of pulp fiction Mm -hmm. right they want to be samuel l jackson or john travolta i think we could make this a, a, a an episode topic in itself um certain careers that have this image of being very glamorous. But for example, I believe it was a documentary I was watching a while back where this woman, her dream was to be a singer. And she was able to make it as a backup singer. And I believe that she has been, um, I guess, fortunate enough to be able to backup singer for some pretty large acts like Rolling Stones, for example. Um, was that 20 feet from start? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it was uh, great. great Yeah, it was a really interesting documentary that, that sort of made you realize that a lot of these jobs, although they look glamorous, they really aren't in that, um, this, this woman has had a very up and down career where you're not getting a steady paycheck, um, where Mm -hmm. you're having to, to sort of pick up and, and travel at a moment's notice to, to get a, like a last minute gig. Um, it's a very unglamorous job. And I think a lot of people don't realize that when they make these, uh, when they make these, these dreams for themselves, the fact that only a very select few, uh, achieve the, the glamour and, and the fame. Um, but for the majority of the people, it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a really tough situation. And, um, you know, for, for probably the majority of your career, unless you're a very fortunate person that gets that big break, uh, the majority of people are do not have a steady paycheck throughout most of their lives. And they must do it just for pure love of what they do. Um, so I, I commend people that, that stick to their dreams and, and are committed to their craft because they play an important role. And um, I, I... Yeah, that... That word craft is very important because it actually reminds me of something I said to myself when I was in university. And while I wasn't in journalism school, I did do a lot of acting in community, in theater, in school and and outside of school. And one of the things I remember saying, I did a production of A Christmas Carol in university and that was a tough show. I was played, I played Scrooge, and I was in every single rehearsal. I had a lot of lines. I was involved in every aspect of the show. And I remember I had a huge fight with the director. And um, I remember going, like, taking a break and going into the dressing room and staring in the mirror and thinking, fuck, like, this is acting this is being in a a, could i do this for a living this kind of stuff and i i came to the conclusion from that and just from overall assessment that i was not willing to starve for my craft yeah that's 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 a great point the the fact that you really have to be passionate and, and have to truly love what you do and you have to accept the fact that you may never get that steady paycheck and you know, your your life could be very unstable, but if you love your job that much, and I guess you have to ask yourself, what job would you be willing to take? If, if you could have any job in the world and if you could pick anything, what would you be willing to do to not have a steady paycheck? Hmm. Play, play baseball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, Major League Baseball player was certainly one of my my things. Yeah. But no, it's a good one. I think we should revisit this in some other form. I, I was thinking for the other, for another episode, maybe if we bring on Mike or Ed or any some of the other folk guys that uh, or girls that have been on the show, we can we can run the rounds with everybody and go through this. Uh, there's a lot to digest mm-hmm. and, and take out of this. Uh, I I wanted to share it. I wanted to share it and. Um, 
Yeah, and it's. Um, I think that the takeaway here is that you're going to change your mind many times throughout your life, and it, it's it's very rare when people can truly say, "I love my job." I hope that most people can say that I like my job and I enjoy what I'm doing. Is what we do. Well, both of us work in the insurance industry. Um, I can say that working in insurance was not a childhood dream of mine. Although I do like my job, um, it is not a. It's not my dream. Um, yeah. So well, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it <laughs> creates some interesting questions for sure. This episode is brought to you by Pace Painting. Pace Painting, serving all your painting needs, whether commercial or residential. Reach Pace Painting at paintwithpace at gmail.com or via their Facebook page, Pace Painting, Inc. Or call Peter at 289-356-7744. Paint with Pace. 30-day challenges. I feel like... (laughs) That sigh pretty much says it all, right? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I've let down everybody so much around this. You know, I, I, I tried this with Teresa, the no complaint challenge and never really followed it through and and now we have the our current 30-day challenge which uh sadly enough and probably a a thing we should think about in the future is i don't even remember what day i started this challenge I, i might be on day 47 of this challenge that i'm sort of following but i think in a nutshell my my not eating after eight I've probably not eaten after eight, maybe out of, let's say it was 30 days, probably for 25 of those days. So Mm. I'm happy about it, but I also feel like I don't think that's the right type of challenge to talk about on this show. I think we need to have something with tangible numbers, you know, like a, like a, physical exercise like 100 push-ups a day 100 sit-ups a day or burpees or whatever it is we need we need numbers that we can stick to and and be able to have real metrics around it i think our challenges were too loose so i'm really disappointed and i don't mean to be a downer about it but um i just feel like i let people down paul yeah i'm disappointed you too there clark no just kidding uh no you're right we um they need to be more tangible. Um, I, admittedly, I kind of fell off the wagon a little bit as well. The whole thing about the no snacking after eight o'clock. Um, I was actually doing pretty good there for a while. So I think I showed, I proved to myself that yes, I, I, I am capable of doing it. I just have to stick with it more, um, have a little bit more accountability. Um, I did improve in that there was far less snacking after 8 p.m. However, it, it did yeah. occur nonetheless. And like when you looked at the clock and saw it was 8 o'clock or 10 to 8, were you thinking, well, yep, yeah, or it was 8.20, you said, oh, can't eat now? Yeah, for a eight. while I was doing that, but... So. Were you ever stuffing your face at 7.55 <laughs> just to get it all in before 8 o'clock? No, I don't think I was going to those extremes. <laughs> I did yeah. it a couple times. Yeah extra bowl of ice cream because it was 757 but your other one was the sugar one that was that to me i Mm. uh, admittedly i saw that one as failing from the beginning i'm not going to say it was a complete failure because making yourself aware of it made you realize that that's not a 30-day challenge no so you've learned from it yeah but the audience okay so i think the audience wants to hear oh my god day 27 of no sugar Holy shit. My take on it is that, okay, I yes, I failed the 30-day challenge. Guilty is as charged. But my view on this in the sense that by making myself aware of this, um, I was able to cut down on my late-night snacking. I was able to cut down on my sugar consumption. But eventually one of these things, it does kind of creep back in there, especially around yeah. Easter time when, you know, my son has a big, basket of chocolates just sitting there on the kitchen kitchen counter and yeah mm-hmm. we're all guilty of, of oh a few easter bunnies went down for the counter, yeah so yeah especially those little mini eggs i'll just have two of those yeah well those add up after a while maybe 20 yeah so okay yes the 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 30 day challenge was was not as successful as we had hoped um but there is hope. I, I think we. I, well, <laughs> for me, I should. Right, we need to come yes, up with something. Yes, we need to be and tangible. We don't need to do it in this 
It doesn't need to be in this episode, yeah. but it needs to be yeah. clear. And I, I think it needs to be something that people are going to hear us say it and be, wow, mm-hmm. okay, that's that's a big challenge. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it needs to be to that level. We need to, we need to, our listeners to hear us achieve something and go through something yeah. so that they can either do it along with us or live vicariously through yeah, us. Yeah. Is that fair? Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to have to brainstorm some ideas here, but uh, yeah, we'll definitely. Well, that's on our, on our homework yeah, list. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, this is to be continued because you're right. Let's. Uh, we'll take chat. We'll take suggestions. Um, yeah. I know our, our new listener, Andrew has mentioned a uh, hundred burpees a day for 30 days. <laughs> yeah. I hate burpees. God. <laughs> Well, hey, if, so if, that made me think. I think it needs to be a physical if, thing, like a hundred push-ups, hundred sit-ups, something like that. If somebody wants to challenge me to not eat broccoli or Brussels sprouts for thirty days, I'd be more than willing to do that. <laughs> but yeah. yes, I, I think that is kind of a, a cool idea. Maybe like push-ups or something like that. Well, we'll we'll brainstorm. We'll come back to, to be. Con- We're going to come back to on be it. continued. Yes, for sure. Weird news, Paul. Um, it's coming out of Japan again. I apologize for all of the Japanese listeners or anyone that's just getting tired of hearing Japanese stories, but I, I just couldn't pass this story up. Um, so, headline, this comes from Japan Today. It's an English publication in Japan, mostly read by English speakers or expats in Japan. And the headline is, and this is in the crime section of the Japan Today, it's man arrested in Kobe after stuffing fried chicken into ex-girlfriend's mailbox. <laughs> okay, that sounds interesting. <laughs> Oftentimes, when a couple breaks up, it's best for both parties to just move on with their lives as civilly as possible. However, some people can't let go without a final message of undying love, indignant anger, or in the case of one man, delicious fried food. So this guy, Kengo Harada, he's 29 years old. He's a middle school teacher from Osaka. Um, things didn't work out, um, but this uh, his lingering emotions led him to the neighborhood where his ex, a 26-year-old woman, uh, she lives in Kobe. And um, so instead of standing outside her window with a boom box over his head or laying a single rose outside her doorstep, uh, this gentleman felt that the best course of action would be to stuff her apartment's mailbox with karage, which is a, a Japanese-styled fried chicken. I, I know you... I, sorry, I know you mentioned on a previous episode that uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken was quite popular in Japan. I was just wondering, could it be K- KFC? Yeah. Bucket of KFC in her mailbox? No, this is a more specialized Japanese-style fried chicken. Um, as he was stuffing this into the mailbox, a security officer, police officer, spotted the guy. So he's he's done this, and um, the fact that uh, he's hanging out in the parking lot of his ex ex's apartment complex in the late night, early morning hours of Sunday, Monday, a police officer spotted him. Security had apparently been beefed up following a report from the woman that someone, probably her ex-boyfriend, had vandalized her car in late March. So he was actually arrested previously on suspicion of anti-stalking laws, has since admitted to the mailbox vandalism. Now his defense here, he says, I, he isn't. He's maintaining that he wasn't stalking his ex, and he just happened to be in the neighborhood. Though, considering it's about a forty-five minute drive from from where he lives to Kobe, that seems unlikely. So, I guess this could happen anywhere. Yeah, my mailbox is kind of small. I don't think anyone's going to be shoving chicken in there. <laughs> Uh, all right. Maybe that wasn't so weird. <laughs> well, do you think that was a weird news story? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, you don't hear about chicken getting stuffed in a mailbox. I'm not sure what he was hoping to accomplish out of that. Um, what kind of message that uh, fried chicken in a mailbox would 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 provide? But I don't know. Maybe it's just general mischief. Yeah, I guess uh, you know people that are in these situations. Um, it's emotional. Oh, so. yeah. It's 
It's a, it's emotional, but it's a bucket bucket of chicken can't cure that, right? <laughs> well, episode fifty is behind us. Yeah, and, on, on to um, the next fifty, right? <laughs> on to the next fifty. We put as much effort into fifty as we did forty six, or we will into to fifty nine or eighty one. But uh, it's been a great ride. Looking forward to continuing this ride and um, continuing our time on the podcast, Paul. And uh, we'll get you to your own new milestones uh, <laughs> as we go along here. And yeah. Uh, yeah, next time I talk to you, you're gonna have uh, you're gonna be partially vaccinated. So yeah, uh, maybe yeah. you'll maybe you'll uh, we'll see how that affects your performance. Yeah, I'll provide an update on that because, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are very interested to hear stories about what other people are, are experiencing with, with the vaccines, um, whether or not some people have side effects, others do not. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll keep you updated. All right. Well, you have a good week. And, Thanks. And uh, we will connect again. Absolutely. Absolutely.